Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Landy Lodge episode 165, where today we're talking Final Fantasy 16, primarily a lot of the stuff that was announced at PAX East last week. Gave myself a week to kind of marinate on it, let it simmer, and I'm excited to share some of my thoughts and takes and really just review everything that they went over. Um, but before we get into that, we got to thank the Sages of the Lodge, the beautiful names you see right here on your screen, those who donate as little as one gill a month to keep my nonsense rolling. Uh, if that interests you, there's always links in the episode description. You can become a YouTube channel member, but just know all we ask is that you come hang out. Everything else is a bonus. I see we got some early birds in the chat. Let's give them a little shout out here. Let me pull this up. Happy Sunday, by the way, everybody. I see we got Niffle Farron, Addison Sanders, Fab, and Blader Art. Blader Art says, just got here. Well, we just started, so you really haven't missed anything. Again, today's episode, we're just going to be going everything that happened at PAX East last week. So there's going to be a lot of back and forth. I'm going to let the clips play, kind of give my take on everything. Um, you know, I guess just before we get started, uh, you guys let me know how the volume is. I'm sure it should be okay. But, you know, Final Fantasy 16 was that game when it was first announced. You know, I always knew I was going to play it. You know, I'm that big of a Final Fantasy fan that as long as, like, as far as main number titles go, I'm always going to give it a shot. But this is just a game where it's like, I can't help but think the way they're rolling this out and the way they're choosing to show off certain things at certain times is just getting me more and more and more excited for the game. And I'm more interested in it than I ever thought that I would be. Um, again, PAX East, Yoshi P, the director, did a great interview. I'm excited to get into it. I guess we're going to skip over it a lot. We're not going to go through the full one hour. I'm going to kind of gloss over a couple things that I can summarize. But for the most part, I'd like to hear it straight from the horse's mouth before giving my take. Uh, one thing that I really like is they kind of mentioned how they organized this game around four pillars. Those four pillars being narrative, characters, visuals, and battle. So those are the four things that I obviously primarily want to go over here. Um, all of it impressed me, I have to say, more, more than I thought it would. And, you know, you guys, if you're no stranger to the channel, you've heard me rant about it before. Um, so I suppose without further ado... Let's let the first few clips roll. I'm pretty sure they cover narrative first. So we got some cutscenes that we'll get a little sneak peek at here. We're going to let that roll. Then I'll kind of give my thoughts and my take either intermittently or at the end. But again, it's good to see everybody in here. A lot of love for the sages and a lot of love for you early birds in the chat. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, let's get this rolling and just confirm with me that the volumes are okay. Let's start. All right. I only stand here today. Because of Joshua. Thirteen years I've waited for this chant. I slept in filth, drunk from a gutter, killed more men than I can count. These cinematics, dude. This time. And if you're listening on Spotify after the fact, make sure you have the video pulled up. You're not going to want to miss this. Look at that. It's like even the combat looks like a cutscene. I really cannot wait to get my hands on Ready, it. My lady. Ready. Man. So now, what did they show here again? I think this is some more of the icon battles that they show us. Which again, this is something that I didn't even knew, didn't even know existed until recently. 
And now I'm ridiculously hyped for it. And what we've seen from the Phoenix, too. I just want to pause right here. So we got to see some of the uh, some of the Ifrit stuff, you know, weeks ago when they first started showing this off and they showed off some of the icon battles. But now that we got to see a little bit of how the Phoenix plays, and they'll get into it here, where it's almost like a like a rail shooter. Little baby's first Star Fox, you know what I'm saying? Knock Flugel says John Snow vibes. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, Clive as an as a protagonist just continues to grow on me. You know, I've always been a fan of revenge stories and watching a character either, you know, fall victim to their lust for revenge or, you know, grow out of it, for lack of a better term. You know, I always think that's a very interesting arc. Um, Blader Art says, can't believe FF16 was rated M for mature. Because of Stranger's Paradise, hello, I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, that's... Honestly, I think it's the first rated M Final Fantasy, at least uh, main number title, but might be including the spinoffs too. Kevin Correa, my man, says, love you, Nick. Love you too, dude. Good to hear from you the other day, man. I hope you're doing well. Addison says, Landy, will you stream Final Fantasy 16 when it drops? 100%. Fab says, this game looks so beautiful, man. I'm so hyped for it. The combat looks amazing. Yeah, both from a, uh, just like, just from its, like they call it a two-tier combat system, both as Clive just wielding a sword and the icon battles look incredible. So let's keep this rolling. Look at this, dude. I like that all the icons are different sizes too. I think they mentioned they're between 60 feet and 350 feet tall. Like, let's go, man. No more just summoning them. Now we are them, baby. And the if this is the coolest Ifrit design we've ever had. You know what I'm saying? Look at that shit. Alright, so let me just pause it right there before we continue. You know, when they first announced the icon battles, I thought it was going to be more of a gimmick. And again, not that gimmicks are bad. Gimmicks are not a bad thing when um, executed properly. But you know, as Knock Flugel just dropped in the chat on Twitch, and as we've mentioned on this channel before, I know we got a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans on this channel. The Kingdom Hearts team worked on those icon battles. The Kingdom Hearts team is, uh, I don't want to say they worked on it, but they helped them. They helped work on those icon battles. Which again, I'm going to have a video dropping about this that goes into more detail. But to me, that means that uh, Gigas battles are coming to uh, Kingdom Hearts 4. Give me those icon battles in KH4. We just talked about that, right? Like, it's coming. We're going to get them in the forms of Gigas or Gigas. I don't even know what to call them. We'll have to wait for an English trailer. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's that's something that's worth mentioning. You know, that if these icon battles are cool, it gives us something to look forward to in Kingdom Hearts 4. But uh, anyway, for those who might either just be listening or haven't seen this yet, Yoshi P does have a translator. So we are going to hear him speak in Japanese before they translate it into English for us plebes over in the West. All right, let's keep this rolling. Thank you. And that is not uh, the only video we're going to be showing you. We have uh, uh, many more videos to be showing you today, so please look forward to them as well. Let me move us over to here where we have the uh the nations and let me uh 
Okay, no, they do all show on the screen. Okay, I want to make sure that you guys could see it all. Okay, let me get the chat back on screen. Okay, so this is pretty cool. We got to see all the nations. I mean, these are the ones they're at least telling us about. For all we know, the end game could take place in a nation not on this map. But we have the Iron Kingdom, the Grand Duchy of Rosaria, the Holy Empire of San Brek, the Kingdom of Waloed, I think that's it, the Crystalline Dominion, and the Dalmechian Republic, which is pretty cool. And they all seem to have titles or nicknames like Indomitable in Isolation, An Island Inviolable, Divine Ambition, Fortunes Ever Shifting, Bastion of Tradition, Forged in Faith and Fear. Interesting. I like that. Forged in Faith and Fear. So here's the cool thing. This is one of the ones I'm going to gloss over, but want to get the information out, is that so apparently... One of the major conflicts going on in Valisthea, a realm in its twilight, is that much like we use oil and fossil fuel to power our whole lives, they use crystals or crystalline. And there seems to be a shortage of these crystals and crystal power. So the nations are, in a sense, warring and politicking over the resources that they use to run their lives. So it's not just that, you know, crystals have always been in Final Fantasy. They always have their role to play. But here, it's literally the fuel for their life. So I guess to relate it to FF7 terms, the, the crystals are the Mako. It's, it's literally what... <laughs> BS! My man, what's going on? Says Senju over Uchiha's. Dude, I didn't know you were a Naruto fan. I'm a big fan of the Uchiha's, but I have to agree. The, uh, the Senju, the Senju uh, have the edge. Will's word, my man, says currently fighting a vitamin deficiency and taking good hard look at my life. Great and transformative is the day of rest. Amen, Will's word. We all got to take a day to, you know, have some retrospective, see what it is our bodies need. Our bodies have a way of telling us when we slow down and let them. But I ain't no nutritionist, so don't listen to this crackhead. Anyway, so basically what we have here is a realm that's warring over the, the crystal power that powers their life. Again, just to repeat myself, much like we use fossil fuels and oils to power our cars, our phones, our houses, everything, that's what they use crystals for. But this is a realm that's having a shortage of that. Now, where that could take it, who knows? Uh, um, you know, we're yet to hear a lot of the finer details. And I do hope FF16 and the team over at Square plays that close to the chest. Because I want as much of this to be a surprise as possible. They're doing a good job of letting us see what the game is like. But as far as the plot is concerned, I really hope they continue to play that close to the chest. And don't let us in on too much. Right? You know, let me skip over to this. As we see, we could see some of the characters that hail from each sort of country or nation. Um, I'm interested in learning more. You know, each, uh, each, each nation seems to have its own sort of climate, its own sort of atmosphere, which I'm sure they show us here. Let me get over here. Well, there was a reaction video on the channel we just dropped, me reacting to this particular part of PAX East. You know, one of the things that's been heavily criticized about FF16 is... What we saw in the early stages of marketing all looked very dark, all looked very droll, didn't have a bright color palette, just to say the least. Now, I always felt that people were kind of jumping the gun on that because at the end of the day, a 40 plus hour RPG showing you three minutes of footage, you really shouldn't take, you really shouldn't take that to be all of what the game has to show you. Um, so a lot of what they show here in this little two minute trailer is a lot of the different areas of Valisthea. I'm sure all these different areas relate to one of the six nations we just saw. So let me just catch up with the chat and then we'll let this roll. 
Addison says, I had to leave for a minute. What did I miss? We just went over the six nations um, that are going to be taking place, or rather going to be taking place, and that they're fighting over the crystal. The crystal power that powers their life. There's a shortage of it. So the reason the realm is in conflict is because they have a shortage of this resource that they're completely dependent on. Lamb, Sage of the Lodge has arrived. What's going on? Crystal of Dust from RWBY. You know, RWBY has been recommended to me and I haven't seen it. Irvin, I don't know how familiar you are with me and my channel, but let me know if you think that's a series I would enjoy. Also, happy birthday to Gladio of FF15. Yeah, dude, Gladio's the man, dude. Honestly, Ignis was probably my favorite of the bunch, but Gladio is the uh, is the spirit. Final Fantasy versus 13 vibes, anyone? Yeah, dude, I feel like Versus 13 is just going to get recycled at infinitum. What's going on, Diana? Welcome to the podcast. All right, let's keep this rolling. So again, look at this. Not dark, not troll. There's going to be a lot of variety in this game. The chocobos look awesome. Walking mechanic. Listen, I know some people make fun of me. Walking mechanics are important in gaming. I'll say it over and over. It's a hill I will die on. You know why walking mechanics are important? They allow you to take the world in. Let's keep it going. And again, you're seeing everything from tropical to rural to open meadow. And again, if you guys could see and they're going to get into this later too. One thing to keep an eye out for in trailers, new and old, would be these sort of structures that you see on the screen right here. These are apparently, not apparently, they outright said it. These are ancient ruins from an ancient civilization known as the Fallen. So I wonder, <laughs> I just, the, the speculation is endless. Let's keep it going. And now every time I see a trailer, I'm looking for the ruins. See, here's one right here. They're going to be all over, man. They're going to be all over. And here they are again, see? Like, they're deliberately showing you as much of the Fallen's ruins as they can. And I wonder if this volcano, right... I wonder if this volcano, just a random theory, I wonder if this volcano, if its eruption is what led to the end of um, the civilization. You know, because we have a lot of super volcanoes, at least on our planet, that if they erupted, they'd probably end civilization upon civilization. So I wonder, because like, there's always the story of what ended an ancient civilization. Was it a meteor? You know, was it, was it freaking aliens? Like, you know, not enough people go with super volcano. I wonder if FF16 is going to go that route. Oh, are we going for a theory of a Final Fantasy VII connection? You know, I'm not going to go there, Diana. I think it's way more likely that this world's connected to Final Fantasy XII and the world of Ivalice. That's where I'd put my stock. And you see, what are these? What are these, right? Those are very interesting. I want to just take it back a few seconds here. Now, look at the way these guys up here fly through the air. You know what I'm saying? 
They're not like standard cannons or cannonballs. They're almost like spirits. And look at this. So it looks like we're going to, you know, talking about a world that's having a shortage of crystal. It looks like at some point we're going to discover some sort of abundance of it, you know? And I wonder what kind of implications that's going to have when, you know, do the nations of this, of Valisteia, do they know about this like abundant location? Or is this something that they're all going to be fighting over? I don't know. You guys, let me know your thoughts. Beautiful. The music is epic too, man. The music is epic too. Thank you very much. はい、Which is great by the way that we're reaching a point where people do struggle to differentiate between cutscene and in-game graphics. It's kind of nuts. And that's great because, you know, a lot of the time back in the day, if you can recall older Final Fantasies, you know, for them to do their biggest story cutscenes or to get a lot of the story across, they had to invest in, like, upscaled graphics. They had to do some CGI or some computer graphics in order to convey a lot of the major cutscenes. We're reaching a point now, you know, we saw with 7 Remake and we're seeing it here with FF16 where the graphics are going to be so good that keeping the in-game models and in-game like uh, graphics to convey big cutscenes is not going to hold back the narrative at all. Gamers that don't like cutscenes are going extinct. Damn right, because again, like we're saying, now that the in-game graphics are good enough that you can convey major narrative points without having to cut to a, like a separate CGI scene that you had to outsource to some animation studio, it's giving the in-house devs a lot more power and a lot more control over those sorts of things, which is good for everybody. And again, we hope you have fun exploring the world and hope you look forward to it. セクションとして進むのがえキャラクター特にファイナルファンタジー they have a corresponding dominant, right? Well, rather, they're the dominant and they have a corresponding icon. And as opposed to in previous Final Fantasy installments where you would summon Ifrit, excuse me, or you would summon Shiva, now these characters are literally going to become Ifrit, become Shiva, become Phoenix, Odin, you know, take your pick. And you know, one thing that stands out to me, I know so much of this story is about avenging Joshua. But I mean, I don't think he's dead. Like, am I crazy? I can't be the only one who thinks that. I don't really, I'm not sure Joshua's dead. You know, because if he's going to be Phoenix's dominant, you know, we've already seen a bunch of footage of Phoenix already. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Phoenix is in the logo itself. I believe the logo is Ifrit and Phoenix. Somebody can feel free to fact check me on that. 
But, you know, without getting spoilery or too, you know, theory crafting here, I don't think Joshua's dead. I think he's going to be making his way back. Isn't he the hooded dude? You know, considering that we have, and we'll, we'll get into this soon too, we have upwards of 10, 20-year time skips in FF16, which I think is awesome. Honestly, I'm the kind of guy where, like, the longer the time skip, the cooler I think it is. I thought FF15's time skip was very cool. You know, um, this has two separate time skips. So maybe I'm crazy. You know, Wildcat Diana saying, isn't he the hooded dude? I think that's the popular theory, is he's the man in the red hood. And again, seeing him listed here as Phoenix's dominant and them showing Phoenix gameplay, I have to imagine we're going to see Joshua. What that means for Clive's quest for revenge, I don't know. Maybe it gets turned on him and... Joshua starts to work against him and now he has to strike down his own brother. Who knows? This story can go anywhere. Um, but again, very cool. You know, we've seen the battle with Benedicta as Garuda. You know, we know that Jill is going to be Shiva. Sid is going to be, I believe that's Odin or Rabu. I think it's Ramu or Odin. I don't know. Slips me. I always get the two of them mixed up, especially because their designs could be so similar too. I see we have a Leviathan here. This guy's got Titan. All the greats, all the greats are making their way here. You're not the only one who thinks Joshua isn't dead. I got similar vibes. I've seen this happen in another revenge plot game. Yeah, because it's a good way to turn the plot on its head when you have a character like Clive who's going to be so set on getting revenge. And then suddenly the person he's trying to avenge isn't even dead. Throws a wrench into everything. He almost has to go on like a new journey of self-discovery. Um, but again, it, it looks very cool. I really like all these character designs, you know? And again, you know, maybe it's because, you know, I'm going to... I'm an old man. I'm 30 years old. Yoshi P makes a comment that, you know, he's 50 years old. So he wanted to tell a story that involved a lot of characters in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. Personally, I love this. I mean, I can go either way. You guys know me. I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. I got no problem with a young cast. But, you know, the beauty of Final Fantasy is each installment gets a chance to differentiate itself from previous installments. And seeing this, this entry, like... Seeing Final Fantasy 16 establish itself as a departure from so many common tropes, you know? Like, again, we have older characters, action RPG combat, the summons aren't even summons anymore, now they're icons and the dominance sort of form into them upon command. It's, it seems like such a departure from so much of the things that Final Fantasy got comfortable with. What, meanwhile, keeping things like chocobos, moogles, and the things we're all used to. Let's, uh, I want to move us over to Clive and kind of let them say their piece about Clive. So let's let that roll. Right now, let's take a quick look at our main protagonist, Clive Rosfield. And so, um, our story in Final Fantasy XVI follows Clive Rosfield through three important stages of his life. As you can see here from the left, um, his teens, his 20s, and his 30s. Okay, so something that I found very interesting, you know, <laughs> and I kind of like this. You know, you see the teenager, you know, he's got, the, uh, he's got hope in his eyes. You could see the optimism. You could see he's probably led a happy life. Then you have him in his 20s. You see he's scarred up. He's angry, but he's also determined, right? And then we see him here in his 30s, and he almost looks not broken, not beaten down, but almost like, you know, he looks more mature and wise. But man, he, um, 
Man, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe that's the point, right? Is he maybe like we're talking about, maybe at this point he knows Joshua's alive, so his quest for vengeance is over, but maybe Joshua's out to get him. So it just throws everything that he thought he was working towards, throws a wrench into it. But again, that confidence is still there. Not quite the angry determination you saw from him in his 20s, but you do see that sort of wise confidence. Again, I do like how you could sort of see the story being told in his facial expression alone. Again, I don't think it's an accident they chose these pictures. Addison Sand... Uh, wait, let's start with Lamb. Says, FF16 is currently the main reason I want to buy a PS5. Just to play the game and FF7 Rebirth. Yeah, I mean, look, as far... And we're going to get into this too when they bring up the PS5 later. You know, as far as the PlayStation 5 goes, literally everything I'm looking forward to is a Square Enix property. Whether it's Rebirth, FF16, Kingdom Hearts 4, I can see why Square Enix is cozying up to Sony. Addison says, I might buy a PS5 to play some of these games. New games, but I don't know. Well, listen, man. It's not like the PS5 is a, uh, is a cheap piece of hardware. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, at least they're finally starting to get some of the games to make it worth it. Hey, yo, a major shout out to Iron Aggro, who has raided us again. My man, thank you so much for uh, bringing your crowd in here. Thanks for trusting them with me. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Landy Lodge. We're talking FF16 on today's podcast. So if that interests you, be sure to stick around. If you're into Kingdom Hearts, Square Enix, Final Fantasy... Uh, Legend of Zelda, then this is definitely the place for you. Let me go ahead and drop Iron Aggro's uh, link in the chat. Just so all of you could give him a follow too. He's rated us twice, so be sure to show him some love over on Twitch. Dude, thanks for dropping in here again. Uh, let's uh, let's keep this rolling about Clive. See where it takes us. まあ、クライブ自身がどういったキャラクターなのかというのを皆さん自身プレイヤー自身がしっかり理解するためにも彼の少年期からじっくり追うことでですね、彼の考え方とかそういったものが理解できるようにゲームデザインされてます。By experiencing firsthand um, these events that shape and mold Clive, um, we can better understand, the player can better understand what it is um, that motivates him and why he eventually becomes the person that he does. And I just want to say, you know, for those who may not know, the team that's working on FF16 are a lot of the guys um, who worked on FF14. And again, Yoshi P right here, major play. Do you play FF14 at all? Dude, I've put like 500 hours into FF14. I've got one Warrior of Light where I'm completely all the way through N. Walker and caught up. I have a second Warrior of Light that I'm going through Heaven Sword right now. Um... I plan to do a major breakdown about the story of Heaven Sword. I think it's um I think it was a major turning point, not just for FF14, and I'm saying that as someone who loved A Realm Reborn, but I think it was a major point turning point in Square Enix. Um but yeah, dude, I love FF14. And I was about to say, going on what Yoshi P just mentioned here about how we're gonna watch Clive grow over the years, you know, from his teens into his 30s, and how that's gonna allow us to connect with him. You know, as someone who again has put 500 hours into FF14. You know, spending a lot of time with these characters, it really does give you a deeper connection with them. You know, most Final Fantasy games, they take place over the course of what? A month or two? You know what I'm saying? A month or two, which is fine. You can still get attached to them and everything. A lot can take place in a couple months. But man, sticking with characters over the course of years, or in the case of this, the course of decades, man, it's... 
It's gonna be a roller coaster of a ride, man. Let's keep it rolling. Our story starts um, with Clive obsessed in his pursuit of revenge uh, for the loss of his brother. And I just want to pause, just like we were talking about before. Notice when they're talking about the Clive that's obsessed with revenge, they're showing us the Clive in his 20s. Let's see, where is this? 2144? I'll be sure to go back to that. When we look at Clive in his 30s, it looks like that, that thirst for vengeance is gone and that almost a new purpose emerges. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, where was it? 2144? Let's get back there. Saiyan Elite Gaming, which by the way, that is a great name. I'm playing it right now for the first time. Chose the way of the Paladin, my favorite class. Bought the full thing on Steam. Looking forward to fully completing every bit. Dude, I'm telling you, FF14 is a game that gets better and better as you play it. A Realm Reborn, I think people are too hard on. I think it's a great campaign. Heaven Sword is epic. Stormblood is excellent. But to me, it's Shadowbringers and Endwalker that really bring it all home. Both those campaigns had me in tears, dude. Had me in tears. Let's keep this rolling. Brother. Um, but across his journey, that will slowly change um, through chance encounters that ultimately open his eyes to a whole different world. But Clive is not alone in his journey um, and is accompanied by his faithful hound, Torgal, who, in addition to being soft and lovable and such a good, good, good boy, is fiercely loyal and a good deadly fighter. Boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> such a good boy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So yes, the story is not only about Clive, but it's Torgal's story as well. Okay, so, man, I really hope they're not trolling about that, because I love Torgal. I love Torgal. I love Torgal. I'll say it one more time. I love Torgal. Him saying that it's not just Clive's story, but it's Torgal's story as well, I hope that's not just them being coy and cute. I hope that Torgal has a legitimate arc. I hope there's a legitimate character arc to Torgal. I would love to do a video, Torgal, the hero's journey. Give it to me, Square. Give it to me. Kevin! Here comes Kevin says, it looks like his flames have gone down, but the fire is still there. Yeah, we were talking about that a little earlier. You still see that determination, but like you said, that thirst for vengeance in his eyes doesn't seem to be there in his 30s. Okay. Hey, so shit. Okay, let me mute this for a second. This is another one I kind of wanted to gloss over. Again, we'd be here all day. They're about to show us some footage, but before we get into it, this is really the point where they mentioned that how to train your Torgal. <laughs> Diana, that's great. That's great. Um, but, you know, they mentioned that it is a two-tier combat system, that the combat isn't just about fighting with Clive and the party in a sort of action RPG, standard swordsman, mage, sort of the stuff that we're used to, right? But it seems like, like they're saying, a two-tier combat system where you're also going to have these icon clashes. Which again, when this game, when that feature was first announced, I thought it was going to be more of a gimmick. And again, not that gimmicks are bad, but it looks like this is going to be a huge chunk of the combat. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the final battle isn't just this complete swath of 
icons battling maybe like Bahamut, right? Considering how much the summons known as icons here play a part in this, I have to wonder what icon is waiting for us at the end of this game. My guess would be Bahamut, just because that, that's that's kind of the go-to. Um, but I believe Tiamat is a, is a summon too, right? They could always go with that. Um, but anyway, they have some footage here they wanted to show us. For all you Kingdom Hearts fans that are joining us right now, do recall that these icon clashes, the Kingdom Hearts team helped with this. So when you're watching some of these clips, try to imagine the Gigas and Quadratum. All right, let's do this. Iconic abilities. As for the iconic clashes, we have another video for later uh, in the presentation. So let's watch this first one on iconic abilities. Okay, so this is about iconic abilities. Okay, glad, glad they made that clarification. Give me a second here. So, as we saw in the battle when we covered, uh, we did a podcast last month covering a lot of the stuff that came out. As we saw, when you defeat someone like Benedicta, right? Benedicta is Garuda's dominant. Upon defeating Benedicta in battle, Clive seems to absorb one of Garuda's abilities. And if we look at the top left of your screen here, we can see that there's sort of this icon rotation. And by pressing L2, it looks like you could cycle between icons. For every icon you defeat, you get a new ability, and that ability gets attached to your D-pad down here at the bottom left. So... You know, it's not just going to be your standard action RPG combat. Literally, you're going to be incentivized. And I hope, I really hope that, you know, all the icon abilities aren't locked to the plot. I hope there are some side quests that let you go out and find some niche summons, some niche icons, so that you could absorb new abilities that way too. Because obviously we're going to fight Garuda. We'll probably fight Phoenix. I imagine we'll probably have to fight um, Leviathan at some point. But I'd like it if some of the smaller, less known summons were out there to discover in side quests. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, let's check out some of these um, icon abilities. Oh man. I see right here. See, see how we did a little cycle. Cycling between them in real time. See, this is Garuda. Look at that. Epic. Because I think that was Garuda. Like, dude, come on. If this combat handles as beautiful as it looks, we're in for a good time. Yeah, baby. And this is Titan, I think. Absolutely bonkers, dude. Absolutely bonkers. And see right here, it looks like he's almost taming him. See, here comes the Phoenix. Epic. Epic. And let me see, how much later until they go into this? Yeah, let's get over to this guy. So this is a cool one. This is a very cool set. This is a very cool segment of the um, of Pax East, where Yoshi P addresses a lot of the criticisms that people online have had about this game. And I, I wish, I wish more devs and more directors would do this. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, before we get into this, I want to catch up with the chat. Let's see. I need that flaming Rasengan. Yeah, we've talked about that at a uh, great length here. 
He has an inner demon fight. Yes, you know, it's funny. We've talked about it for you Naruto fans out there. There seems to be a lot of overlap between the way this game's icons work and the way the Jin Shuriki work. It seems like dominance and Jin Shuriki are pretty much one and the same. So again, the idea that you could have an inward fight, the way Naruto would have like an inward battle with the Ninetale Fox, the idea that Clive might have an inward battle with Ifrit, man, that is, mwah, give it to me. Give it to me. Um, but anyway, this is a very cool segment. I'm going to let this one roll for the most part because this is where Yoshi P really addresses, again, a lot of the criticisms that have been leveraged against the game. And again, I wish more devs would do this. There's no better way to market your game, seriously, than to address the concerns that people have. Because even though some people might be nitpicky and there are some people who are going to criticize this game to no end who are never going to buy it in the first place, you know, addressing legitimate criticism is very important. In fact, to me, I don't think there's any better marketing tactic than addressing legitimate criticism. So, uh, okay, let's let this roll. Okay, and so um, one might think um, that what we've shown you might be enough to satisfy the masses, but no, there are still questions. <laughs> and so um, we understand that with all the information out there, um, it can be sometimes to be hard to find all the answers. We did our media tour, but there's still a lot of questions, so we want to touch on a few of those today. Oh, um, yeah, the, the character that you see um, up here, uh, this old man, he's actually a very, very important character あの、in the game. This is actually uh, the Valisthean lore master. Um, Let me pause there. The Valisthean lore master. One of the big mistakes, by the way, major shout out to Noctelis who just followed us over on Twitch. One of the major mistakes I felt FF15 made was the lore was sort of scattered throughout the world in sort of a storybook fashion, and you had to pick up the pieces. You know what I'm saying? You had to pick up the scraps of this storybook, which is fine. It incentivizes a lot of exploration, but I kind of like the idea that you're going to have this one character that you could go to and he's going to have a lot of answers about the world. He can maybe teach you about history. Maybe he'll teach you about that ancient civilization, the fallen. I think that's a great inclusion. That's all I wanted to say. Let's keep it going. He knows all about the world. Um, Yoshisan kind of compared him to me. Yeah. Thanks. And so these are the type of questions um, that we had asked of us. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so again, he's going to go one by one and address these. Maybe we won't listen to all of them, but the most important ones, I think, we'll, we'll give them our ear. Using the power of the PlayStation 5. Which, by the way, I just want to say, so it's not only obvious that Sony has given Square Enix a bunch of money to make this a uh, PlayStation exclusive. Guys, I don't think Sony's going to outright buy Square Enix. But I'll tell you right now, I would not be surprised if Sony buys a stake in Square Enix. The PS5 is front and center on this panel. This is not just a Final Fantasy 16 showcase. This is also a PlayStation 5 showcase. And it works. We got you guys in the chat looking up the price and pondering whether you should buy one. I think it's a smart move. Yo, Josh Z with a super chat. A $10 super chat coming in here says, Triangle strategy and live alive need more love. 
really underrated games from Square Enix. They really need to find a sweet spot in marketing. They either do too much, King of March 3, Final Fantasy, or nothing. It's frustrating. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people had a similar gripe about Neo: The World Ends With You, which I think was one of the best games Square Enix has released in the last 10 years. I've had my eye on Live Alive. I played through the whole demo on the Switch. It's a game I'm going to get to eventually. I'm just going to wait for a bit of a price drop. I don't want to spend more than 30, 40 bucks on that one. But Live Alive looks like an absolute gem. And, uh, you know, friend of the lodge, Andy Brew, will sing the praises of Triangle Strategy. He will sing its praises. So I may have to give that a, uh, a shot one of these days. But, uh, yeah, let's get into these burning questions. But Josh Z, dude, you know, everyone, if we can give some love for Josh Z in the chat. He's one of the channel's biggest supporters. He's always throwing some love our way, you know. Um, Josh, dude, thank you so much. Just know, you know, feel free to send us that message without it needing to be a super chat. I would read it, but I do appreciate your support. Alright, so let's start with this one, or these two, to be specific. Also, like, I'm sorry, I gotta give, <laughs> as much as I like taking, being, ugh, I don't even know how to put this. So you see how they included a one? <laughs> I feel like they're making fun of people who uh, held this criticism, but let's keep it going. <laughs> Yeah, we got a lot of this. Why is it so dark? Why the area is so small? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no slow, slow down, slow, slow down, 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 please. Slow down. Okay. <laughs> slow down, please. Okay. Well, of course, it's not all dark. That's right. It's not all dark. In the game, the areas aren't all small. And again, we saw a lot of that in that Ballastea trailer that we watched earlier. You know, they've already kind of addressed this earlier in the in the showcase, but I'm glad they're addressing it again. Okay, and so um, one of the biggest question marks about Final Fantasy 16 has always been the switch to the full real-time action controls. And so the media tour was set up to be an opportunity to showcase our new battle system and controls. And it just turns out that the area that we chose for that happened to be a dark Area. And then what's like then why then why didn't you choose a brighter area? It's because this is the stage that we had completed first and it was the most ready. Sorry. <laughs> Which again I think is their their sentiment there is sort of like, hey everybody, maybe hold your horses before jumping to conclusions. You know? Okay, Lamb, Sage of the Lodge, says, Hey, fellas, what are y'all's guesses on how many units FF16 will sell a year after the game comes out? So here's what's tough. This is going to be exclusive to the PS5. It will not be on PS4. It will not be on PC. It will eventually come to the... It will eventually come to PC. But this is a game that, at least in the beginning, is going to be glued to the PS5. I don't think it's going to be that crazy of a seller. I have to be honest with you. And I don't think Square Enix is concerned with that. Because I think Sony has already paid them a boatload of cash to make it PS5 exclusive. You know what I mean? Because if you're Square Enix, you know that if you brought this to the PC and you brought it to Xbox Day One, that you would sell several million more copies. So Sony more than likely had to go to Square Enix and say, Hey, we'll front you X million dollars so that you make this exclusive to PS5. We know it's going to hurt your sales, but by us fronting you these millions, you're going to keep it exclusive to us. So I think Nock Flugel 
over on Twitch has the best prediction. He says five to six million. I think that's going to be it. I think you could see sales similar to FF7 Remake after the first year. I think over its lifetime, you're going to see sales between 10 to 15 million. But I think after its first year on the market, being a PS5 exclusive, I think you're going to look at sales probably, if I were to guess, I'd probably up that number to around 6, 7 million. But I think those are the kind of sales you hear. Kevin Ribeiro's out here saying it should hit at least 10, which I would love that. That, let me tell you something. If FF16 being a PS5 exclusive hits 10 million units sold, that is an overwhelming success. Overwhelming success. Now, the best-selling Final Fantasy game of all time is the OG FF7. It sold 17 million copies. The second best-selling is Final Fantasy XIV, which has technically 11 million sold copies, at least around there. So, I don't expect them to get upwards to 11 to 17 million. I just don't think that's possible. I don't think enough people own a PS5. But man, if they could sell 5, 6, 7 million units in a year on top of the money that Sony gave Square Enix to make this exclusive, that is an overwhelming success when all the freaking garbage freaking gaming journalist sites like Kotaku come out and tell you FF16 was a failure because it only sold 5 million and FF15 sold 10 million. As per usual, it's because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So if this game sells between 5 and 7 million, that is a that is a uh, a nuclear bomb of success. And uh, again, when it eventually does hit PC, you'll see a lot of those sales go up because, you know, Square Enix shills like myself who already bought on the PS5 will probably buy it on the PC too so I can play with mods. But anyway, enough of me giving you guys an ear beating. Let's get back to Yoshi P over here. Hey, I mean, we wanted to do it in a brighter stage. まあでも最後あのメディアの皆さんにはものすごくねあのバトルしっかり触っていただけて素晴らしいレポート書いていただいたのでぜひねまだご覧になってない方はそのバトルのレポートをご覧いただきたいですまあでもメディアフィードバック
This looks absolutely stunning. From an ancient civilization, which we call the Fallen, um, which existed up until about 1500 years ago. Which that's an interesting tidbit. So it looks like 1500 years ago, there was some sort of cataclysmic event. Um, and, you know, we were, they were kind of showing it earlier. My guess is going to be a super volcano. Meteor, FF7's taking that one. So I'm going to go with a super volcano. And, like, we have some interesting dialogue here. Look at that. There are no crystals here. We have to keep going. The crystalline dominion is our only chance. Again, kind of painting into the plot that they're lacking this power source that's fueled their lives. And it looks like everybody here is a little bit down on their luck. See, it's all seamless from field into town. <laughs> see here, got this whole nice little Dynamic section. Let me see, where do they go next? Alright, let me put the good boys on mute. You guys see this. And then boom, here's sort of the map. Here's the map of Alistea. And they're going to show off some of the fast travel. And we'll see how fast fast travel is. The power of the PS5, how quick load times could be. This looks pretty cool, man. <clears throat> Whoa. You know, now that I think about it, maybe the ruins are what let you fast travel. You see this? Very interesting. So here they go. They're going to they're going to ignite the fast travel and I think it takes only 3 seconds for it to pull up. Which that's great, man. No more loading times. Here we go. Watch this. 1 Two, three. <laughs> Maybe more like four. But check it out. Look, you're there. Already chilling. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, it's just short enough that we don't have to put a now loading symbol on the screen. では、ちょっとここで、え、そのRPG的な要素をちょっとだけご紹介するのに、セーブデータ変えます。Okay, so I could summarize this guy, this for you guys. This is there's going to be a hub, right? And uh, this hub is connected with the character Sid. This seems to be Sid and his crew. This is the main hub where his crew hangs out. This is kind of be the main hub where we go to in between missions, in between main story quests, you know. And I gotta say, it looks really cool. Area where Clive can return in between his adventures. And check it out, check it out. Look who's sleeping right here. Look who's sleeping right here. That's a good boy. See this? It looks like this. You'll be able to buy weapons here. You'll be able to buy armor here. Um, here it is. Purchase new gear, materials, or consumables. So it looks like you're going to have a blacksmith you'll be able to do stuff with. You know, let's skip ahead a little bit. Give you guys another further look. As you can see there in the background with those exclamation points, those are uh, side quests uh, that start from the hideaway. Okay, okay. So side quests, side quest indicators are going to be these exclamation points. Just a little fun fact there. Let's see, where do they go to next? Let's pull this up. Yeah, see, look, 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 look. God damn it. God damn it. I went too fast. 
So any of the stages um, that players have played and completed, they can go back and replay them at any That's right. Okay, another thing worth mentioning. There's an arcade mode, which is going to tally up your scores against other players. Stage replay. Replay any previous cleared stage, but at current level, which is pretty cool. Anytime. Wait, question, question, question? What? What's that? No. Question. Question. Secret. Let me see. Hall of Virtue. Hone your battle skills in a customizable training area. Okay, so you have a training area, you have an arcade mode, a stage replay, and then again, we don't know what that fourth option is. That's probably a post-game thing. And replay them at any time. Wait, question, question, question? What? What's that? No. Question. Question. <laughs> Secret. Secret. Don't okay. give it away. Okay. Don't give it away, man. So you look at and it. you see, look, this, this, uh, a reet stone? I'm thinking maybe that is connected with the ancient civilization and that that's what's going to allow you to fast travel. So again, um, this is that safe zone where Clive can go at any time in his journey. And so when you need a break um, for the main story, the hideaway is where the fun continues. Okay. So just to summarize these bullet points they put out for us, the media tour focus was on FF16's action. Okay, no, they brought this up earlier. Let's, I think they have a new one to show us. Here we go. QTEs, which I believe, here we go. Uh, we'll let them do the QTEs talking for it. varies greatly amongst players. But there's the question. So, are all of Final Fantasy XIV's battle cutscenes QTE driven? The answer to that is no. <laughs> and for those QTE, for those, again, I know we got a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans in here, QTE is essentially FF16's reaction commands. And some people had their gripes with it. I don't. あの、たくさんのこう、キーの入力を要求されるような、その、シチュエーションっていうのは、ま、カットシーン中に、あの、ディレクターの高井も、僕も正直とあんまり好きではないです。Um just as the is the case with a lot of players, neither the director Takai-san or myself really enjoy those QTEs that are overly long or really really complex. But again, you know, we all saw the screenshots, we all saw the gameplay footage. There was QTE. Let me explain what that was. So in Final Fantasy 16, we have a lot of different boss battles, and in those boss battles, um, they're split up into multiple phases. Just want to pause for my man Fab here, who said the future is looking bright for both Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. 100%. I've never been more excited for the future of both franchises as I am right now. During each phase, again, Clive will wail away on a boss until its hit points get to a certain amount. And when the boss's hit points are reduced to that amount, the battle will transition to a new phase. で、これらを今回 
And again, in Final Fantasy 16, this transition is all done seamlessly. And so we'll have these cutscenes that will help us transition, um, whether it be a transformation of the boss, or whether it be the environment, something is happening in the environment, something's breaking down, um, or Clive needs to be in a new position. あの、やってもらうことで臨場感を作るためのものだと思ってください。And there are only three types of QTE, attack, evasion, clash. QTEs are for keeping the player in the action. So I guess, you know, we, we all know that sometimes in the middle of a boss fight, you'll break out into a bit of a cinematic bout. These QTEs are to keep the player engaged in between. Now let's see, I want to skip ahead a little bit. This is them really just talking about their departure from turn-based RPGs and making this really the first full-fledged action RPG that's a mainline title. But, you know, I feel like there's too much emphasis people put on that. Because, like, FF15 and 7 Remake and Lightning Returns, they were really kind of... They kind of started that departure. This is the first full-fledged departure from that. But th this has been a long time coming, man. I, it shouldn't take anybody by surprise. Okay, I want to see... What's coming up? I believe they still show off some icon battles. I just want to double check. They show off this here. Okay, so we still have a little... Yeah, the icon battles come at the end. Okay, we still have a little bit left to go. Uh, I'm going to run to the bathroom and refill my waters real quick. You all hang tight. We're going to be right back. So in the meantime, enjoy a little walk with Kobe. But we'll be right back. Don't you, don't you sickos and normies go anywhere. The best is yet to come. Don't you sickos and normies go anywhere.
Okay, okay. We made it back. We made it back. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> See, we got a lot of Kobe fans in the chat. Good. All right, let's pick this up where we left off. We don't have much left of the showcase to cover. Um, uh, there's a whole, like, icon battle thing we have left to do, which should be cool. So uh, let's keep this rolling. Three. え、今回ちょっとまた新しいエリアでバトルを紹介してみようかなと思ってます。Oh, Okay, so by pressing the L2 button, that cycles through um, the three icons that you have channeled. Yeah, we were getting into a little bit of that earlier. Okay, so first we're going to go through a battle. This is all manual. We have none of the helpful accessories equipped. Oh, yeah, that, that's something that I accidentally skipped over that I guess I should touch on. So this game isn't going to have a difficulty setting. To my understanding, there's not going to be an easy mode, not going to be a standard mode, not going to be an expert mode, critical mode, as you know them. The difficulties are really dictated by what you equip your character with. So let me, um, again, since my stupid ass skipped over it, let me take some responsibility and explain it. So you see these three um, slots down here. There's different equipment you can give to Clive that will make the game easier. Uh, for example... <clears throat> I believe a lot of it is timing, so that it does things automatically for you. So you can equip something that allows him to evade automatically, parry automatically, things like that. So, I don't know about you guys, I'm going to leave that equipment slot empty. That was a good, that was a good job. And that was a bad one. Dodge. And see, like, this is just a standard battle in the wild, man. You're pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> see, now there's a stagger meter. You know, just like in FF7 Remake, just like FF13, there's a stagger meter. And when you break that stagger meter, that's really when you can run up the most damage but what i'm curious to see you know jill and torgal are acting pretty independently but if you see here very subtly you can switch off this item menu and it'll open a torgal menu allowing you to sort of command torgal as you see fit I wonder if you're going to have a similar option for other members of your party. How, how much practice? How much four, practice? Four times. Four times? <laughs> 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 
Yeah, see, here they are listing all the different rings you could put on to make the game easier. Ring of Timely Healing, Ring of Timely Assistance, Ring of Timely Strikes, Ring of Timely Evasion, Ring of Timely Focus. Again, I'm going to keep all that off. But I think that's cool because, again, it makes the game accessible to people who maybe aren't fishing for the biggest challenge, you know? While keeping it so it doesn't get in the way of people who do want a challenge. Alright, so now we're going to do attack. We're going to uh, <clears throat> dodge one of the attacks. See, that? That that's what happens when you're wearing the ring. Oh, which is cool, control. and then I want to close <laughs> yeah, this out. Just pressing R1 at the prompt. At perhaps the most important clip, and again, then we'll get into the chat, have a little back and forth before we close it out today, because I think we still have this clip here, and then there's an icon battle that we'll be able to see at the end. So, all right. For those who may not have heard, for those who may not know, the most important feature in this game is about to be shown off. Have this one off or have it on, you'll always be able to know right up there in the top left. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, I think we're done showing battle, but the title of our, you know, panel is Can You Pet the Torgle? Oh, yeah, yeah, You can yeah, pet yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not yeah. that Torgle. That Torgle. Uh, uh, can sorry, You Pet the Torgle? Sorry, Torgle. Torgle. Can you kill the Torgle? <laughs> no. Pet. Hey. Pet. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can pet Torgle. Not only pet him, you can give him treats. I'm going slow-mo. I'm going slow-mo on the treats. Don't care. Pet. Hey. Pet. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, slow-mo on the pet. Yeah. It's always funny listening to things at like half speed. <laughs> and there we go. Here we go. Give him the treat. Give him the treat. Treats for Torgle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Pet the good boy. Peak gameplay right here. Seriously. Best video game mechanic. It should become a new standard. It should be a new standard. Listen, if you can't pet the dogs in Tears of the Kingdom, then it doesn't deserve to be Game of the Year. Bottom line, that is my new standard for Games of the Year. I will not award you Game of the Year in my heart unless you have a petting dog mechanic. Now, if there's no dogs in your game, we can, we can omit that. That's fine. But if there are dogs in your game and you've not included a petting mechanic, we're going to have some problems. Uh, okay. Hi. え、というわけですね。トルガールもぜひたくさん可愛がってあげてください。Oh 
So something very cool here. So we've already seen a battle between um, Clive and Garuda. And we see how we saw how that battle went down, but the way it appears to be is the theme for each battle is unique. We are in control of that. So I'm interested to see how people react to that in particular. Let's skip, let's let's just skip to the juice. Let's just skip to the juice. So homeboy turns into Ifrit or Ifrit. And again, again, guys, again, remember the Kingdom Hearts team worked on this. So I know we got a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans in here. Kingdom Hearts team worked on this. Imagine this with the Gigas in Quadratum, dude. Like, get out of here, dude. Who needs to go see a Godzilla movie anymore? Look at this shit. See, there he is fighting Titan. And look at this, man. This is the part that tripped me out. This is the part that tripped me out, man. This is the part that tripped me out, dude. So we're going to get to play as Phoenix. Which, doesn't that technically mean we're playing as Joshua? Maybe I'm crazy for thinking that's a spoiler, right? But, like, if we're playing as Phoenix, I don't know. But you know what I love when they're saying each battle is different? This one is like a rail shooter, dude. If we got any freaking Star Fox fans out there, rejoice, man. Look at this. How sick is this? Wait, he's fighting Ifrit? Look at this! Versus Odin, baby! So insane, bro. So insane. Like, I'm in awe, dude. Infernal Icon versus Ifrit. Yo! Amazing. This is literally the Keyblade Rail Shooter. That's what I'm saying, man. You, you start to see how the Kingdom Hearts team could have uh, assisted with this. Okay, so that for the most part is the, um, is the showcase. I guess we can hop around. Let's just pull this up and now let's chat about it. So I want to know from you guys, man. So what character intrigues you the most right because i feel like a lot of this you know very very intelligently so on square enix's part a lot of the discussions surrounding this game and the marketing are very focused on the gameplay very focused on you know the overall plot some of the features but i want to know who's the character you all want to learn about the most because i can't seem to make up my mind like i think sid is really cool 
I think Clive is awesome. Like just seeing Clive's transformation over the years, getting a peek at that makes me want to know what catalyzes all of that. You know, I see Addison's in the sh in the chat. Oh, we got two Joshuas. We got two Joshuas. Yeah, I mean, because we don't know a whole lot about him. But I mean, again, we got to play as the um, we got to play as the Phoenix. To me, that means he's probably all right. The guy in the black coat. Hmm. I'm seeing a lot of Joshuas. I'm seeing a lot of Joshuas. Seven Heart says, aside from the obvious, Clive, I'd say Jill especially, because I want to know how she becomes the dominant of Shiva. She looks very similar to Iceheart. Yeah, she does remind me of Iceheart a little bit. Mm. You know what? You know what I bet that comes from? If I'm not mistaken, she was separated from her family, and she wasn't... She wasn't like adopted by Clive's family, but she got taken in by Clive's family to serve as a ward. So I imagine that maybe she's got a heart as cold as ice because for lack of a better term, she was separated from family. You know what I mean? Like maybe she's had a tragic childhood and that's why Clive's family, in a sense, had to take her in. But also, if I could just roll this back, if I could just roll this back, Look at that artwork, dude. Look at that artwork. Beautiful. Absolutely stunning, if you ask me. But I'm seeing a lot of Joshua's, which I'm not surprised. Joshua seems to be the big mystery. You know, we see him in that first trailer. We get to see blood splatter all over his face. We have this idea that he's dead and needs to be avenged. But again, a lot of that doesn't quite line up when we look at some of the later parts of the game or the later parts of the narrative. I don't know. It looks kind of intense. Kevin says it's like Persona where the dominants pick people compatible with them because Benedicta is a bit of a harpy. Yeah, you know, you easily see the connection between Benedicta and Garuda. You know, like you're saying, sort of like a fierce harpy underneath that pretty face. And again, with Jill maybe having a, a cold heart because, you know, the things with her family, maybe being separated from her parents... Joshua with Ifrit, you know, having fire in his heart because he has this lust for vengeance. Oh my God. Of course Joshua is coming back. He's the Phoenix. He rises from the dead. It's right there. Ah, case freaking closed, man. Case freaking closed. But you know, I'd love it if they brought him back and like he wants to kill Clive or something. Or he wants to kill um, his home nation. Like, I'd like it if Joshua, if he is revived, which I'd be willing to bet it, if he is revived, I'd like to see him have a sort of lust for vengeance too. You know what I mean? I'd like to see that too. Wow. Let me see. Let me pull up the... Uh, let me pull up the part of the stream. Here we go. It lays them all out. Is he the hooded figure, though? That's the question. I'd place my bets on it. If I was a betting man, I'd place my bets on it. Because the hood is red. And there's a big red motif with Joshua. You know what I mean? Whether it's the red of Phoenix, the red of his clothes as a kid, the hood, if I'm not mistaken, is red. 
Very, honestly, kind of nuts. This guy, I don't know his name, but he's with Leviathan, so I imagine he's going to be uh, like a statist. You know what I mean? That's what I think. I get the feeling there is a third brother. Ooh. Interesting. Maybe one we don't know about that the family maybe disowned? Who knows? Who knows? And Clive might be a bastard son. You know? Come to think of it, him and Joshua don't look that alike. They look a little alike. Hmm. Hmm. They look alike enough. Eh, the more I look at it, they look alike enough. Hmm. The Ifrit versus Ifrit fight got me geeking out. He hit him with that Shingu, <laughs> Shingu Shoriken. Dude. Again, that's I think that's what took me by surprise the most. Was when I first heard about these dominant fights. To me it seemed like. Again, I'm repeating myself. But it's been an hour and 20 minutes. It's bound to happen. Like a gimmick. You know? And again, gimmicks aren't bad. But no, it's a chunky part of the game. It is a chunky part of the game. And a chunky part of the gameplay. Make no mistake. But yeah, guys, there's a lot coming out. I imagine we'll probably get one more trailer. I imagine we'll probably get one more trailer between now and when this game comes out. We've got another two months. And I imagine in the 30 days leading up to this game, they're going to go insane. They've mentioned that when we're two weeks out, just about, we'll get a demo. I'm going to... I'm going to play the shit out of that demo. And in case you guys are wondering, yes, this game will be streamed on the channel. I have been cutting back on streams, at least streaming games, not podcasts. But I've been cutting back on streams because I want to, um, you know, I've mentioned this in previous episodes. I want to get myself to a place where I can do upwards of three hour long podcasts. So when we get there, that's when I'll start to roll those back. But it is a game you can expect to see streamed on the channel. But again, man, we got a lot to chew on. They gave us a lot here. You know, see, he looks like Joshua here. Not, yeah, definitely. But again, bastard son doesn't mean he's not, you know, genetically related. But, you know, might be a different uh, baby daddy. Who knows? And, you know, somebody brought up too. It looks like his scar over time. Over time, his scar starts to heal. I'm curious when he gets the scar. I imagine it's that scene where Joshua gets killed off or maybe shortly following it. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. I'm probably going to buy this Torgal plushie. Make no mistake, probably going to end up getting that Torgal plushie. I know they have like a fully grown Torgal plushie and they have like a puppy one. Both are appealing to me. What can I say? Let's, uh, let's roll this back into those icons again. Give those another look. Let's play this back one more time. How old do you think Joshua will be by the end? Well, it looks like we have upwards of a 20-year time skip. He's going to be like 30 years old. He's going to be like my age by the end. That's what I'm thinking. By the end, he'll probably be around my age. From Sunshine Boy to a Ragging Inferno to a Calm Controlled Flame. Dude, Kevin, I love the way you put that, man. I love the way you put that. But let's watch this. Uh, let's watch this whole icon montage again. I feel the I feel the need to watch it again. Ooh, let's get that sound. 
Yo. Yo, these bigger fights are kind of the wild ones, man. And again, here's the Phoenix one. Again, that tells me Joshua's coming back. Back from the dead, baby. Dude. Dude. Bah oh, wait, that is Bahamut. That's right. Ooh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yo, 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 yo. Hold on. Pull that back. There goes my theory. I thought the Bahamut might be the, like, ultimate icon waiting for us at the end. But if he's here already, then I don't think so. I don't think so. Dude. 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 Ifrit versus Ifrit, baby. That's the hype one right there. Amazing, man. Amazing. They really put their all into this one. All right. I uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, Bahamut's dominant is the blonde dude. Oh, let's pull that up, actually, before we wrap it up. Oh, I thought that was Leviathan. Then maybe... Ooh. Interesting. Okay. I think Zodiac might be the final icon. Yeah, honestly, I'd like to see some theories on that about who our final icon, because you know that's going to be a thing. You know that's going to be a thing. The music. The music's so good. The music's so good, and I think it's not Nobuo Uematsu this time. It's, um... Oh, God, his name escapes me. His name escapes me. Hold on. I'm not letting this podcast end like that. Who is doing the music for... Final Fantasy 16. Masayoshi Soken. Okay. There we go. And you know what? Just for um Masayoshi Soken, let's see what he's worked on. Let's look at Masayoshi Soken's previous works. Oh, wow. He's been in the game since 2000. Drakengard, which was the predecessor to Nier. Um, there's a lot here. Okay, he did a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, but a lot of people worked on Final Fantasy XIV. Drakengard three. Wow. Lord of Vermilion. Mario Hoops three on three. Wow. <laughs> but honestly, it looks like that the uh, the biggest staple on his resume is the work he's done with Final Fantasy XIV. And honestly, I think Final Fantasy XIV is the best soundtrack in the series. And of course, Nobuo Uematsu has a lot of tracks on that as well. So, I mean, that's encouraging. And that is very encouraging. Alrighty. Let's see. Everything we've seen from FF16 just looks absolutely phenomenal. I really can't agree with you more, Lamb. The more they show us, the better it looks. Kevin says, I hope the final icon is chaos. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
That'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, all I have to say is let's get hyped. Yeah, let's get hyped, man. This game is around the corner. This game is around the corner. Lark Scene Simp. Jumping back here with a subscription. They've subscribed for five months. Lark Scene Simp, I hope you're doing well, dude. Honestly, great time to announce it. I'm glad you're here. Guys, so we're going to forego a weekday podcast this week. We usually do one on weekend, one during the week. We're going to forego it during the week because on Sunday, we're going to do the one about Lark Scene. This Sunday, well, next Sunday... We're going to do a whole podcast on Lark Scene. It's her turn. We're going through the whole organization. We're going to do a whole thing on Lark Scene and El Reyna. Lark Scene Simp. I hope you'll make it out to that. We're going to go live around 2.30 like we did today. Um, yeah, a lot to get hyped about, guys. We're eating good. Think about the horizon. We got Zelda Tears of the Kingdom next month. We got Final Fantasy 16 in June. Missing Link is around the corner. Lots of good stuff to eat. Lots of good stuff to chew on. Again... I've got some theories dropping this week too. Even though we won't have a podcast during the week, we will have some theories and stuff dropping on the YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, this Sunday, look out for it. We got a whole Lark Scene El Reyna episode. I'm very excited for it. Uh, if you're hanging out with us on Twitch, please stick around for the raid. We're going to go crash. We're going to go crash Katie Wayfinder, I think. She's playing Tales of Symphonia. Let me see if anybody else is getting it. Anything else good here? All right, yeah, let's go crash Katie, we why, blah, blah, blah. Katie Wayfinder's party. Again, she was on the podcast about a year ago at Cage 20. So let's go and uh, give her some uh, give her some hype over there. Larkseen Sim says, my goddess is getting the love she deserves. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Larkseen next week, baby. All right. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Uh, this is a really good time. We're going to be back at it again next week. A lot of good stuff. Love you all. Love the sages. Love the early birds. Love all you in the chat. Thanks again for hanging out. We are on our way. Peace out.